From the Northern Confluence Initiative, this is 54 degrees north. Northern Confluence is dedicated to conserving the salmon watersheds that sustain our communities, economies, and shared futures. From the dawn of time, I know the story that goes back from the beginning of when salmon was introduced to us at the Dark Ages there. It was part of the food source for since time immemorial. And today, you know, the salmon is still one of the leading food sources for my people, you know. Like this year, we've had one of the biggest years ever in decades, you know, so... Everybody in the region, you know, is feeding from these two rivers here, and, you know, it's a, it's a good day. Hi, I'm Donald West here. I'm a hereditary chief from Lakwalams of the Simshian descent. I belong to the Gispadwada tribe of the Gitwalgyats. Yo, Smanam Hooks and Sla Nuskamata. Hello, relatives. I'm Nuskamata from the Newhawk Nation. Hadi Tunzen, Chief Namox. Tsayu of the Wet'suwet'en Nation, one of the five clans of the Wet'suwet'en. I am a hereditary chief. Yeah, my name is Jonathan Moore. I'm at SFU, Simon Fraser University. Oh, my name is Chris Sargent. I'm a research scientist with the University of Montana's Flathead Lake Biological Station. And I'm your host, Nikki Skews. Welcome to my podcast, 54 Degrees North. As part of a series exploring salmon connections and resilience, we reached out to a number of people who have defended wild salmon in some way against the myriad of threats they face. We hear about their connectedness to this critical species that is so intertwined with cultures and communities of the Skeena region and throughout the Pacific Northwest. I caught up with Nuskamata and Witset for a barbecue and celebration, welcoming back the salmon to the canyon on the Bulkley River. It was a beautiful day and a little bit windy. I always say that it's about our love story with the land and salmon are all, it seems like in my, our communities and, you know, being indigenous, being from the Sukhum Uluk and, and being Nukalk and um, all of my friends and colleagues, like we all have that in common in our love story with the land. This is the salmon is at the center and it's like so much more than food. It's a way of life. It's like being in the smokehouse, being on the river, sharing with family, um, you know, having that, that deep, time like I was just saying today to a friend that cutting fish with somebody is a very intimate thing you don't just cut fish with anybody like it's a it's a trust building exercise as well you're putting food away together and we have like protocols around you know when you're when you're putting food away that you're in a good frame of mind and there are a lot of different things that go with it so when you are able to eat that food is filled with all of that love and it's filled with that time and you're remembering <clears throat> putting it up together or you're sharing it out as your best food when you have guests you always bring out your best food so it's really tied to way of life and uh it's um it's really scary right now because uh even though there might be some big runs overall there's a huge decline in salmon and um fish farms are such a huge problem infesting our wild salmon with sea lice and you know we're noticing uh, fish coming in with sores and lice and or they're coming in really late or they're really soft and they're not um, as strong and healthy as they used to be so um, we're really feeling the pressure to uh, 
organize in our communities to to raise that awareness and to really push back on the all the predators out there of you know the big the commercial fishing industry the fish farms um, commercial logging that's impacting habitat um, you know industrial mining that's impacting watersheds as well so it's like this really big cumulative um, story and it's the same everywhere despite what the extractive industry might be they're all connected hydroelectric dams everything it's all part of this industrial extraction complex that is impacting salmon and everything that depends on the salmon you know the eagles the bears human beings and the forests themselves the big trees that need that fish so it's all one big love story and right now we're in we're in a really bad rough patch so (laughs) What is your favorite species of salmon to eat and how, and what is your favorite way to eat salmon? And and if you could share that in your indigenous language, if you know what it is. Yeah, for sure. I think the first thing that comes to mind is uh, knum, which is like uh, half smoked and dried or half smoked and frozen fish that we can just throw in the barbecue. But I mean, there's so many ways. It's it's really hard. It depends on who's cooking, I guess. <laughs> um, when I was a little girl and we traveled to Bellacoola, it was a really long drive. The roads were a lot worse than they are now. And whenever we would pull in, it, you know, it was like eight hour plus drive. Um, and as soon as we would get to my grandparents' house, my grandpa would throw on a pot of fish soup. It was fast to make. It would fill us up, you know. And so that's a really good memory. Um, of course, you know, being in the smokehouse with Richard Wright. And, um, yeah, it's it, – we were – I actually taught him how we cut fish New Hulk way, like our strips, like um, the hooks that they have up here in Gixan. We call it sluck in, in our language. But it is very specific to where it comes from. So um, even though I was cutting it the same way, it's it, it doesn't taste the same as in Bella Kula because it's a different – it's a different homeland that it's coming from. It's a different river. It's different wood that we use. And, you know, but um, I think my favorite is it really is like sharing that good food with good people. So, yeah, it's hard to say. It's really hard to say. <laughs> I'm like uh, barbecued, fire barbecued, spring salmon, you know. Yeah, right out of the can, of course. Yeah. Fist and rice, you know, that's a staple. Yeah. So um, that that's that's a really a key piece of like understanding what this connection is it's that it's that love story it's that direct connection like this these rivers and these fish have built our bodies they have built our flesh and bones that that's what our blood is made out you know like the more you can um eat from a healthy land the stronger you're going to be and it takes a lot of work to go get that food it's hard work fishing it's hard work hunting it's hard work picking berries like people who mock berry picking for hunting or fishing obviously haven't picked a lot of berries because <laughs> it is hard hot work yeah. and cleaning it and it's backbreaking work yeah. and you know it's it's a great time i mean it's the same with fishing like i have a saying like you know how they say it's uh elder hot when they have the stove just you know it's so sweltering hot well i have another saying and it's smokehouse tired if you've ever been in the smokehouse you know that way of life you are dead on your feet every night with a big smile on your face you know so yeah i love it salmon they come back to produce for us for all people and it's our duty me as a name carrier to look after the territory the water and all species on our territory whether they be amphibious on land the winged and all humans but the very basis is our salmon 
if you look at where our villages were throughout the centuries, they're always at the confluence of a river or a creek or where there is a food source. And if you look at our trails that we use, we always use cash pits and there would always be salmon in there. We would store it there until we needed it, then we'd take it out and make use of it all year round. That importance of the salmon cannot be overstated to the Wet'suwet'en. It is the very core of who we are. I caught up with Chief Namox on the Yinta before a water ceremony took place on the Witsinkwa. Salmon is our central food. Every summer the salmon come back to nourish us. Our duty is to ensure the water and the salmon are there. This year we're going to have approximately 4 million sockeye return to the Skeener watershed, which our waters flow into. To me, it's a reward of the decades of work that we have done to ensure those salmon come back. And now comes another threat. For decades, we, the Wet'suwet'en, we haven't taken the sockeye as a food source. We've depended on other species. This year, because of the reward, because of such hard work, we are keeping sockeye, and that has not happened in decades. And I have to say, this is willingly by our people to not do that, to protect the salmon, to get to the spawning beds, to come back in the abundance that we have this year. This is a reward that all humans should have, to know that we are doing something that is so important, so productive for the future. But if this project continues with the backing of the elected officials, would this be the last time? Do you have, do you have can you think about your earliest memory with salmon? Or has it just always been so a part of you and who you are? It is hard to think back to the first one because it's always been so central to our lives. Catching it, preparing it, putting it in the smokehouse, sitting around telling the stories, listening to the elders as they worked on it. And that's how we gained our knowledge of who we are, what we do, and why we do it. Jonathan Moore shares with us how he became interested and dedicated to studying wild salmon. Um, you know, what got you interested in salmon? Kind of what's your mm. salmon story? That's a fun question. Um, yeah, I guess I grew up um, just loving rivers and loving being outside. I, I mildly obsessed with fishing growing up and um and so i think it was just amazing to spending time outside uh with my parents and sister in different rivers and and i grew up in oregon actually and their salmon populations have been struggling for a while and so seeing a salmon was pretty pretty special and we you know we'd go out fishing and we'd catch them rarely <laughs> and and i think that sort of planted the seed of being sort of inspired by them, intrigued by them, and also just loving the systems that they call home and the systems that, you know, salmon call home. And then also we, we call home too, that people, you know, work and live and play in. And I think over time, just sort of seeing how some systems have been struggling um, and some are thriving also really sort of was deeply motivating. Um, I've gotten a chance to work and um, 
live in some really beautiful places and some places where, you know, the trajectories of salmon were set hundred years ago and watching the remaining few salmon hold on has really, um, really motivated me to try to think about how, you know, the lives we live and the work that we do can help uh, push these forward. Interested in salmon since a kid, out camping and fishing, Chris Sargent reflects on how his connections deepened over the years. Yeah, you know, I grew up in western Washington state, so just by default in the Pacific Northwest, you know, salmon are always kind of context for everything, whether it's artwork or what you're fishing for or in the history you read. Um, so from a young age, I always remember being exposed to salmon. I, uh, I was thinking about this a little bit and I remember, you know, in my early, like seven, eight, nine years old, our family would take a summer camping trip to the Wenatchee river and I would fish on the shore. And I remember always seeing these big red and green headed salmon. I didn't know they wouldn't eat anything. And I would keep casting in front of them and just wondering like, why won't these giant fish bite my lure, you know? And, um, I just have this really vivid memory of watching these schools of sockeye swim by and how cool I thought that was. Things really evolved for me when I moved to Juneau, Alaska in 2011. I lived there for 10 years and, you know, salmon are important, like I said, in Washington, but it's a whole different story in Alaska and same was, of course, Northern BC and places like that. Like people depend on salmon almost every day. You can't go to a potluck without seeing a nice salmon filet and it really opened my eyes to how much people still in some places depend on healthy and abundant salmon populations and really made it not just a scientific endeavor, but a really personal value and something I've really come to care about um, over the past decade or so. The initiative that I created, Northern Confluence, is dedicated to conserving the salmon watersheds that sustain our communities, economies, and shared futures. I want to do what I can to ensure that we leave watersheds in the Northwest in better shape, and that the next generation has love stories and connections to salmon too. Thank you so much for listening to this 54 Degrees North podcast, Salmon Connections and Resilience series. This episode was recorded on the unceded territory of the Wet'suwet'en in the months of July and August 2022. Thanks so much to Yahan Don Wesley, Nuskamata, Chief Namox, John Moore, and Chris Sargent for interviews, insights, and for your contributions to strengthening our salmon systems. Thank you to Telqua Ted Turner for the music. Thank you to Facundo Gastiazoro for the art. 
This podcast is produced by Nikki Skuse with production and editing assistance by Namita Prakash. Thanks to the Canada Summer Jobs Program for helping make this podcast possible. The 54 Degrees North podcast is available for download on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.